The following is a conversation with Stephen Price. Stephen Price is the Vice President and General Manager for Flow and Cable and Wireless in Jamaica. He is also Chairman of the Flow Foundation. We talk about the end of cable and wireless monopoly in Jamaica. We talk about Lime, its predecessor Flow, and Stephen's vision to power Jamaica on a fully fiber, high-speed network. Here is my conversation with Stephen Price. I'm probably one of the most fortunate persons in the telecom space to have really seen it from both sides and having commented. Um, I started then back then with Cable and Wireless somewhere around 1996, if I recall. Well, so I was there pre, um, pre-liberalization of the market, you know. Um, um, I worked with them in 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 the contact center business. Interestingly, I studied finance. How <laughs> did I end up in telecoms? Um, one of those stories in life that you know will will remain untold. But I, I worked with them up until two thousand. Two thousand, I left um, Cable and Wireless then, and I was the twelfth employee at a company called Moselle Jamaica Limited. Um, which we now know as Digicel. So, okay. so I've had the, 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 the fortunate um, experience of being able to see it from both sides. Obviously, back then we were um, a monopoly business, you know, and obviously um, recently even privatized, um, you know, coming from telecommunications, Jamaica, JTC, um, and into the cable and wireless family. So there were still some of the trappings, I would say back then, of a monopoly type culture almost a civil service kind of culture, you know, um, that you were invincible, <laughs> unstoppable, etc. But competition came and, and digital brought competition back then in a really, really serious way in terms of just really changing the game and disrupting the market and, you know, um, really making some significant strides in terms of adding additional technology to the sphere in terms of really introducing the market to GSM, you know what I mean, which was never... We're a TDMA market back then, you know, or CDMA market at the time, and moved swiftly into GSM and had championed a lot of the changes in terms of, 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 of actual technological rollout on the, on the mobile side. Um, fast forward to 2010 when I, I, I came back, well, I said 2010, I came back to, 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 to um, Kimla Wireless. Um, we were still a company that was struggling, right? Um, we had our challenges. Um, obviously, the, there were some, how should I say, market measures that were putting from a regulatory perspective, which really allowed the competitor to set their mobile termination rates. Um, but this was a, supposed to have been a temporary tool, I would say, in order for a smaller operator to be able to get some traction. And then it should have been removed once um, dominance had come into the market. Now, what happened was because of that, um, Digital itself pretty much created a a big juggernaut in terms of almost 2 million subscribers at the time. Um, And the reality is because you have that power there and you could set the termination rates for the competitor, who you are no larger than, you know, we totally um, disrupted everything. Um, so at the time, Cable and Wireless was struggling. Um, it was really 
even talk at the time of whether or not we were an actual going concern, you know. Um, so that, was a, real, that was around 2010, just to make sure. I'd say 2000, um, 2010, yeah, 2010, okay. um, around that. But so that's when I came back into the business. Um, and there were struggles. I mean, no matter what we had done in, 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 in innovation, because of the fact that the majority of the customers that our customers knew were on the other network, you're paying this exorbitant rate to, 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 to call CrossNet. So it was a real barrier and really it created a moat for the digital network um, invariably that protected their customers because they saw no value in leaving because they had to pay this rate to call, call CrossNet. Um, Minister Vaz, um, who is the current Minister of, 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 of Science, Energy, Telecommunications, in his wisdom, um, intervened in the market somewhere around 2013. And in 2013, he brought the mobile termination rates um, down um, significantly down to um, somewhere around $1.10 Jamaica. Um, and that allowed us then to really start to be able to compete. And ever since that time, I'd say back then we were at somewhere in the region of 200,000 uh, mobile customers. Um, since then, we've made significant strides to the point that we're now over 1.2 million mobile subscribers in, 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 the, in the market. Um, so we have taken market share and continue to, to, to grow since then. So it, it's, it's been interesting looking at it. And I mean, yeah, you said to yourself, from 2000 till now, um, just so much investment has been put into the market. I mean, you're saying a market that has moved from TDMA to GSM to uh, Edge <laughs> to 3G um, to, to 4G LTE um, to LTE Advanced. And now the conversation is in a space now um, around 5G and, and the spectrum around that. And so it's, it's really exciting times having the, the opportunity to see the evolution of telecoms in the country. So when you, um, or maybe let's uh, continue a little bit from the technology that you just mentioned. Um, what is the, let's call it the, the bottleneck when it comes to um, yeah, broadband penetration or even mobile um, penetration? Because from my understanding is that still a big part of the rural, rural areas of Jamaica still do not have a reliable um, internet access um, on the one hand. Then on the other hand, um, Jamaica is an island. So I'm assuming um, the bottlenecks are somewhat the undersea cables that connect you through uh, other countries. No, I, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think the, 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 the fundamental challenge, if, if you look at Jamaican um, topology itself, I mean, we are quite a, <laughs> a mountainous, hilly kind of country itself. And I mean, in terms of how we have communities spread across the country, um, we are very pocketed you know there are pockets of towns and cities etc right across the country as you know right um but also there are some places where the cost to pass is is a lot more more expensive and and that's where we find ourselves um i'd say in jamaica i think right now from a technology there there are at least seven hundred thousand homes in jamaica who could get um internet if they so desire Right, almost 700 homes out of, let's say, um, 
an accessible, say, 850,000 homes that are actually electrified in the country. So there is coverage. Yes, some of the technology is older. There is copper technology, which is on BDSL or ADSL. There is HFC. There is actual fiber, which we've been really um, pushing um, for the past two, three years in terms of build out. Um, so there is accessibility. Now, one of the key things, Simon, which is one of the main challenges in our country is just where our GDP lands, right? Um, our GDP is just, just over, over 4,000 US, right? And I'd hasten to say, and being very generous, that 50% of the population doesn't earn the average, <laughs> if you understand what I mean. Yeah, right. So you're talking about persons living on, on around 12 US dollars a day, correct? And, and I'm giving you the benefit of not using the average. Yeah. You know, and that 12, 12 US a day um, is going to do feed you, transport you, <laughs> uh, pay for power, pay for education, you know, all of these Move things. Your head. Yep. Yep. So, so our problem in Jamaica, I'd say particularly, is adoption, right? And, and, and affordability is, is, is quite a challenge. And this is what we've seen being replicated right across the region in terms of in Central America, in, in many of the Caribbean states, um, as we, we look forward to see how we can move. We know that every 10% of adoption that you get, um, you can move the GDP by <laughs> at least um, almost 2%, you know? So it's something that's in the best interest of, of, of the government to see where we go. Now, where we have been embarking on um, as, as, a, as a company is, we are two things. We're building new um, in terms of continuing to, to hit a lot more greenfield um, communities. But at the same time, we are overbuilding brownfield. All the traditionally old copper um, only kind of communities. We're on a, on, a, on a real push to make sure we overbuild everything um, that has copper by 2024. Um, I think we'll get there by the end of 2023, but we have been going at a clip at probably, I'd say, around 100,000. Well, this year, we're now at a pace of around 100,000 a year in terms of that overbuild kind of um, um, path. I think it, it's, it's, it, we have to future-proof the country in terms of being able to provide the necessary kind of um, technology and access right across the board. And I think that's what we've been doing um, quite a bit. Um, over the past year and a half, I would say we have, it's, it's been incredible just to see <clears throat> the kind of adoption that has been happening, you know, um, more and more persons are signing up for internet because they need it. And it, it's, it's, it's a lifeblood now, and it's about how we continue to push that forward. What we have proposed to the government, I'd say, and, and it's something that's food for thought for many of the states out there, is looking at how can we really put a shock to the system to make sure that we get more and more persons online. And I, and I think one of the best ways to do that is take an example of, let's say even the US, um, the Biden um, emergency broadband benefit kind of program that he's rolled out with many of the operators out there. Um, there's a similar program in Costa Rica, um, couple other territories where, for instance, you know the, the persons within the country who fall within the kind of social safety net, you know? And, and I'd, I'd fathom to say like, we have a program called Path here. Um, and we know who those, where those households are. We know who those people are. 
Um, I think it would be prudent for the government because <clears throat> there's no way that they can afford normally. And, and I was saying, even if you, you put a product in, the, in front of them that says it's about 20 US right, um, per month, even if you put a product like that, it's likely that many of them still can't afford it. Um, so I think one of the things is, if you put a program like that in place, you will also foster investment from the telecom sector, right? In terms of reaching a lot more of those communities where the cost to pass a home is really prohibitive um, because they know that, for instance, they'll get the payback and the, and, and the revenue from a subsidy of, of sorts. Um, and I, I think one of the key things, pick the first 100,000 homes. Um, and it's not something that we're calling for as a business as Flow. Um, it's something for the industry all the players that are there, because that will help and incentivize the, the, the kind of rollout that you need into every nook and cranny right across the country. <clears throat> so did I understood you right that you said you um, try to replace all the copper um, lines are, with are, fiber are, are over the next years? Yeah, man, we are on a path to, to, to fully complete that by, by 2023. Um, wow. We have three technologies in the space. We have Obviously, fiber, anything that we built since for the past two years has been built on fiber. <clears throat> um, we have HFC in, in, in the network still, and we have the, the traditional copper ADSL. So we're overbuilding all of the, the copper um, BDSL, ADSL um, homes um, over the next year and, and continuing as well to go into more greenfield right across the country. That's very interesting. So I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd say by the... By the end of 2024, we should be somewhere in the region of maybe almost 800,000 homes passed um, with fiber, in my belief. Well, that's uh, yeah, really interesting because in Germany, um, we here still have, don't yeah, quote me on the numbers, but I would say 80, 90% uh, copper. Uh, and because it's so expensive to invest in fiber optics and uh, get the coverage for the complete country, they basically still have copper. And I think they use the technology, it's called tethering. Is, is that right? I'm, I'm not sure yeah. about that, but basically to max out the speed that you can get from the copper lines, just from a physical standpoint. Um, so, and, and they yeah, basically only um, rolled out fiber optics in the bigger cities where enough households are, et cetera, because the investment... That's, that's the push for us, Simon. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we, we, we want to remove the older technology and really, I mean, there's no reason why a country like Jamaica shouldn't be on big speeds at, at this point, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's a dream for me <laughs> to make sure that, for instance, we are able to, to deliver that kind of... Um, um, speed and support to the, 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 the country, business as well as to the residential community. But I think it's, it's, it's still far-fetched if we don't have the kind of um, public-private partnership that we need at this point in terms of with the government in order to move, move this forward. We're a small island developing state. And if you, if you think about it, um, and even I just, I just spoke about the past 20 years, This country has moved from TMA, GSM to, to, to LT, and right. every round of, 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 of technology improvements, you, every company wants to and definitely need to get the payback on the kind of investment that you're making, you know, right. and having reinvested so quickly and so fast in, in, in such things, it is a challenge on, on the return on investment because as 
even our dollar, I mean, <laughs> from our exchange rate, most of our costs um, are US dollar based, mm-hmm. right? But we earn in Jamaican currency, right? So, yeah. um, and, and, and particularly in a period like this in terms of the pandemic, um, while you'd want to recover your costs in terms of the fact that, for instance, you want to make sure that you are keeping pace with the exchange rates, um, you can't do that, you know? Um, we haven't raised any any tariffs in the past two years, you know, and I think it would be impossible to think about really doing that in the short to medium term, you know. Um, so you have to really balance. You have to make sure you try to bring down your cost to pass a home as, as best as possible, because in some communities, I mean, let's say on average, our cost to pass a home is somewhere around one eighty US dollars or two. right? I'm just giving you as an example. In some communities to actually roll fiber past, it could come up to as much as maybe a thousand US at home. (laughs) You understand what I mean? And you're not talking about including any CPE, no um, modems, no wireless mesh, no nothing on on, on top of that. Um, And then to be getting the the, the return in increments. So it's, it's, it's a challenging market, but I think we have a formula. I think where we need to go is is the government partnering with the industry, not just us, mm-hmm. um, in seeking a new way in order to make sure that, for instance, we get more adoption. Because the technology is passing many homes, you know? And I, I'm saying right now, really, it's almost 700,000 if you think about all of the, the operators, be it Digicel, be it ourselves, be it smaller operators, some of the um, the point-to-point kind of operators as well. Um, you, you safely can say that they, they, they pass about 700,000 homes. Your challenge is adoption because there's still an affordability challenge within the market, you know, and, and, and we have to solve for that. The government solves for it in, in terms of, of PATH, in terms of, 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 of the kind of subsidies and social safety net. I think we have to extend that into the telecom space as well. I have two questions um, around that, and I'm not sure if you can answer them or allowed to answer them, but um, can't you, or do you have the ability to hedge your dollar exposure or the, the currency exchange risk that you basically have? Because as you said, um, yeah, the income comes from Jamaican dollar, but you have to pay in um, US dollar. That would be question number one. And number two, do you have again, maybe you can't share that, but an internal estimate, like, okay, I invest X amount of money today to reach a, a home, to yeah, build the infrastructure, and then it takes five years, 10 years to get that money back until uh, you actually have a positive return on investment on that. Are there any numbers that you can maybe share with us? I mean, I, I'd say to you, for my, let, let's start with the first question on hedging. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. any any industry that, that like ourselves, uh, <clears throat> Who have so much US dollar cost. I mean, there is some amount of hedging that you do. I mean, um, our treasury teams are busy <laughs> every single day. Um, and but but obviously, you know, the 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 availability of currency is always a supply and demand kind of scenario, you know. Um, and the, the challenge for us as a country, we're not producing as as we should, um, and exporting as we should. I mean, everything is is primarily imports. Um, and we've been so dependent on the hospitality sector um, for, for US dollars coming into the country. And uh, obviously the travel has, 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 has been at a, a, a new low in terms of, of, of where we're going. So there are those struggles. So, I mean, 
we're doing those things creatively to 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 see how best we can we can keep up. Um, hedging is just one, <laughs> you know, but but um, there is, is is so many tools that we have in in in, in the toolkit um, just to survive and make sure that we always have constant supply of of, of dollars. Um, the other question, if you can repeat, Simon. Um, <coughs> Sorry, um, how long does it take till? you get that investment into infrastructure back, let's say you throw some numbers out there, like 200 US dollar, 1000 US dollar to reach a home or to access a community. Is it like five years till you get the return on investment or 10 or just a rule of thumb for- I think ideally sector? for telecoms, ideally for telecoms, you'd want to have start getting a full return on investment by, by four years, by year four. Four years, you okay. know, um, But obviously, you are doing this um, from a static perspective, but looking forward, um, any vol any movements in the dollar <laughs> and, and and the economy does affect you in, in, in looking forward. Now, if you think about a country like Jamaica, right, um, and you're going to build in the most attractive <laughs> areas first, right? I mean, any any operate. I mean, obviously, when we started, I mean, as 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 a company way back then, um, it was really politically driven <laughs> in the day because obviously it was a monopoly. Um, so you built in, in, in town centers and you built where it wasn't necessarily economical at the time. Now that you're a private company, it does change, you know? Um, and obviously everybody has, in terms of those who are in the players in the market, have built in communities where you have A's and B's, right? No, really, what's left to be built is the C's and D's, and the C's and D's is where a lot of our poverty lies. <laughs> if you understand what I mean, in terms of affordability, so that's where it's 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 the most difficult part of the the the, 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 the kind of build ambitions that you do have. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, it's where that you have to become even more creative and creative in the kind of partnership that you want to make with the government in order to see how best we can get penetration levels up. Because we're building in these communities, but I mean, obviously the penetration is not coming as we want it to market where we're putting some creative products out there and customer value propositions out there to make sure that, for instance, customers are able to adopt it. I mean, we, we, we've recently launched um, FMC, you know, um, which is fixed mobile convergence in the country, like some of the North American and European markets, whereby the more RGUs you add, um, um, to 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 the service, um, the better the discounts from 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 bundling. So I mean, we have benefited from being able to 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 put that into the market. But even then, sadly, in some communities, it's going to be still an affordability challenge that you have to to, to face. Where do you see the technological future um, in terms of yeah, let's say coverage? Do you think um, that there will be more? push uh, in the mobile sector? Um, will the, the landlines uh, need to be more improved or, and we can start talking about that a little bit, um, completely new technologies like Starlink as a satellite internet um, provider that announced that it will be operating globally in the next few years. Um, I think the big advantage with such technology is that rural areas can be reached very easily um, on the other side, um, you mentioned that um, when we look at the pricing from 
right now, I think it's 100 US dollar um, per month for, for a Starlink um, service without the hardware. Um, that would be definitely a pricing that wouldn't be affordable, as you said, in that um, yeah, more poorer areas um, of the country. Sure. So what is your yeah, perspective on that? Do you say, yay, competition? Or um, is it something that will not be re really relevant uh, for you? Um, yeah. I think it, 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 it can be competitive, but at the same time, unless the prices of both CP um, um, come down particularly. I mean, obviously in, in Great Plains and in Africa, um, where for instance, I mean, you don't necessarily have um, really rabid rainy or hurricane seasons. It, it's it's good technology. Um, but like for instance, in a in a in a period where we have our rainy season for let's say a month or two months, um, where you hardly see sunshine, <laughs> um, you know the challenges that you have with satellite technology in, in, right. in, 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 in those things. So I mean, you you really need consistency, and especially when you compare the times when we have the rainy season. They fall right within the school season, if you know what I mean. So, so you will have challenges from that perspective, but affordability is going to be depleted. I think it's best to um, be able to lay down long-term fiber and, and capacity, because obviously um, you can grow with your fiber um, in terms of the, fact, the terminal equipment that you actually use. Um, and if we are able to build it out, I think it would work much better for the country. Um, yes, there are going to be challenges in terms of the cost to pass, but if you are guaranteed a certain level of, of, of return um, based on some sort of subsidy in some communities, then you are able to do that. And, and I think it, it will be a multiplier effect for the government if they are able to unlock that, unlock learning in, 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 in those communities and more adoption it will be um, a real shock to the economy and be able to really start push things along. So when I understand- but I, but I think, I mean, just, just, just in, in wrapping it up, I think there is still opportunity from a mobile perspective. I think one of the things that the government has to look at, however, is the cost of spectrum. Um, you know, um, it's something that Mr. Vaz has spoken about um, in terms of looking at how he reviews the price of spectrum. Because even if we're to, to venture into the 5G space, um, it, it is prudent for the government to look at that. Yes, the, the, the spectrum of a country is the asset of the government, right? But um, you can have a wasted asset if, for instance, um, you don't allow it to, to be proliferated and, 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 and be used um, efficiently at a, at a reasonable price um, to the operators who are supporting the growth of broadband in the country. So does it mean there are plans to already establishing 5G networks? Is that what I'm hearing? I think, I think they're, 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 it's, it's an obvious question that's coming up now. Um, right. I'm not saying that we're, 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 we're taking the plunge as yet. Um, I think part of the, 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 the reality is, especially if you're a country like ours, um, we have to have um, really open dialogue with, with the consumer, with scholastic um, with the government with all players so people understand what 5g is i mean i can tell you that when at the start of the the pandemic um both my ourselves and our competitor we lost two cell sites um and it was on on the basis of conspiracy theories around oh someone around, took it down or what 
Yeah, we, 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 we had two sites that were burnt, right? Okay. Um, so, and it was all based on the, the conspiracy theories from, from, from what we understood. Um, so it's, it's a careful um, step that we have to take, but we have to start the discussion with dialogue. And I think that's what started already. We started with a couple of forums with the university um, and hoping for that dialogue to continue um, with the, the regulators, spectrum management, um, the OUR, um, those bodies in terms of how we engage on that, because it, it's the next evolution, you know, um, and it can help, especially in terms of, of, of distributing broadband. Yes, it's a smaller footprint in terms of, 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 of coverage, um, so which means you may potentially need more sites, but for the applications that you, you, you can use in terms of manufacturing industry, those kind of things, um, it's something that we need to consider um, carefully and make sure that we, we, we take the plunge at some point. Yeah, that's a good point that you're raising because from my understanding from the 5G technology is that it is maybe not so much end consumer technology, but more, as you said, an industrial technology, just because you don't have the, uh, the distance that you can basically gap uh, or bridge with, yeah. the, with the towers to a device. You have super fast speed, you have super low latency, but um, that's the kind of major problem. So do you think from a strategic perspective, it makes sense to go in a consumer 5G uh, network or to focus more and say, let's establish the, the landline, the mobile nets uh, and so forth? I think it's good to have a blend, you know, um, in terms of good consumer. And I think um, where you, you, you roll out for enterprise kind of application, Right. Um, it, it will generally benefit consumers based on them being within the territory and vicinity. Um, there's so much things that we can think about, especially with that, especially with, for countries like ourselves. Telemedicine and have remote medicine is something that's quite interesting from a 5G application, you know, right. um, especially when you have limited doctors in terms of the, the kind of, of, of space that we operate in. Um, those are some of the applications. In terms of the ports, um, in terms of port efficiency, um, in terms of both seaport, airport, those things, those kind of applications. They are good applications in terms of, 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 of farming. Um, we're recently stepping into the cannabis industry in Jamaica. <laughs> it's something that could support that as well. You know, so they're, they're not saying that we are ready for self-driving cars and those kind of things <laughs> as, 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 as yet, um, knowing where we are, right? But the fact is, um, there are various applications that we can think about in terms of that delivery, sales, those kind of things, um, which will be, you know, um, really sped up if we, we, we really put some investment there. Yeah, I, I agree on that. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that then kind of trickles down to the end consumer when uh, these industries or, yeah, get more efficient, can yeah, offer their services, products for cheaper prices um, and so on. Um, I, think, I think one yeah. of the things as well, though, I mean, obviously, we've, we've been talking about the technology and what the need to do and just how kind of public-private partnership kind of works. I think the, the, the other side of the coin as well is, is how we actually invest, um, and not just the telco industries, but just all industries right across the board in terms of how do we help this country step forward into the future? And I, and I think... I mean, just even the conversation about digital transformation, it's, it's not just the technology. 
um, apartheid has to be is how, how do we empower the Jamaicans out there in order to, to really start to access those new skills? Um, we, we, we are currently going through probably, I mean, the largest digital transformation this country has ever seen, you know? And in so doing, we know what's happening out there. I mean, as there, there are many companies out there that are thinking right now, say, hmm, um, I don't have all these people in my office. <laughs> you know, do I need all these people? Um, how do we make sure that we keep the, the, the Jamaican workforce relevant? You know, and I, and I think that's one of the things that we've prided ourselves in doing in terms of trying to make sure that more and more Jamaicans participate in the, in the digital economy. I mean, uh, through from a foundation perspective, what we've been actually doing is we have two main programs just really looking at digital inclusion. Um, we have a skills for the future program where we introduce people to technology um, and it's a partnership with the universities in terms of trying to get them really um, up to speed in terms of digital literacy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been going well. And then there's another side of the coin, which we call training for professionals. Um, and in so doing, we're trying to add additional skill sets to what um, the workforce has out there, you know? And right now we have over 1500 teachers um, from the Jamaica Teachers Association in training to actually really skill them up and also add additional skill sets to them um, as they head back into the school system for, for September for the new school year, you know? So I think we have to do it from, from various points because it's not going to be just a technology journey, you know? We have to also push it um, seriously. I mean, we've been working with the government in terms of trying to get as many schools connected. Um, hopefully um, we can, arrive at a kind of um, happy medium in terms of really connecting as many schools as possible. Um, but it's not just the schools that need connected, it's the communities within which surround the schools that need to be connected where children are. So we're working really, really assiduously to see how we can get that done. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would absolutely agree that besides the technology, um, as you said, the digital literacy is uh, super important. So well, when I understand you correctly, you cooperate with the, with the private, uh, with the yeah, education sector and uh, the government in that area, where do you put the focus on? Is it more like, okay, I educate the end consumer, um, I teach people coding, I teach people the technology side of, of things? It's, 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 a, it's a mixture of, 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 of all that. I mean, some of it is, is it's really it's digital certification, um, social media, all these kind of things. Um, actual professional certification for um, even menial kind of um, plumbing, all these kind of things, you know, just to make sure at least you, you bring people into the space to get the kind of level of certification and expose them to digital learning. Um, with more School of Business, um, there's, there's stuff that we're doing with Google, there's stuff that we're doing with Microsoft um, in terms of getting those kind of levels of certification there. Um, so it's a lot of things. We work also um, with, a, with a major partner, um, who really, really pushes the, 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 the thing. He actually really pushes the actual flow, flow study kind of program that we have going right now. Um, we are also working, I'd say, with also digital outsourcing. Um, we work with um, a company called The Hive, um, with the Flow Foundation, which really now has almost, I'd say, give or take 10,000, registered persons with various skill sets. So 
people can go and look for an outsourced service right on the hive and to be able to, 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 to also get, get jobs and employment through, through that kind of, 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 of method. So it's a real 360 degree kind of, kind of program, mm -hmm. but we have to do it that way. I mean, the fact is um, you can't shoot one shot, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to, it's, it's multiple angles you have to take this thing from, you know, it's not just the technology. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of construction sites right now that have to be approached through. Yeah, there, there you go. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, over the past three years, not including this year, I mean, we invested over 200 million US dollars in terms of network improvement. So um, it's, it's, we're confident, we're bullish on Jamaica because we know and see the future um, in Jamaica and what Jamaica can do. Um, we brought over 250 new communities to Fiber over the past um, um, year and a half, in fact. Um, and we're going to continue to do that and continue to push that. All right. So where can people first find you, reach out to you um, when they yeah, want to talk with you more about that kind of stuff? And second question, where can people get access to these programs or learn more about the programs that you just mentioned? What would be the best starting sure. point? Sure. Um, for the digital programs, you can look for our website, our Flow Foundation Jamaica website, um, flowfoundationja.org. Um, and you can register right there in terms of, of getting more information or actually enrollment in the actual programs themselves. Um, so we use our foundation particularly for that. Um, if people want to, to reach out to me, obviously, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on LinkedIn um, and uh, I'm a regular communicator in the space, <laughs> right? Um, not necessarily active in, in, the, in, the, in the Twitter, <laughs> Instagram world. I keep that one private um, particularly. But um, you can reach out to me by email at stephen.price at cwc.com and that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot P-R-I-C-E at cwc.com. And you can reach out to me. But I mean, I mean, all in all, I said Simon, I mean, the, the, the pandemic has really challenged us. Um, I mean, you know it. I mean, you are you're a global citizen, right? Um, um, <laughs> you, you, you've seen how it, it's changed us all. And I mean, it's brought out the worst in us, but that in some time point is also brought out the worst in us, best in us, you know. Um, my team has been really dedicated in terms of its period. It is it's, it's one of the things I have to, to thank. I mean, I thank the, the, the Flow employees for just their diligence, their commitment. Um, they are my heroes right now in terms of just how we, we, we operate and just how we've been able to, to really drive this, this technology and continue to drive build. Um, they're building faster than they've ever built before. They're installing faster than they've ever built before. Um, and we're just going to continue to ride this. Um, you know, it, it's, the world is forever disrupted, um, but we're going to continue to invest to make sure we, we, we keep this disruption going and rebuild the economy. I think it's, it's, it's very important that we, we understand that the hospitality industry is so fragile. So we have to focus on how we can generate that income outside of hospitality and become a lot more self-reliant. So and I think technology can, can help to drive that, that, that forward really, really in a big way. You know? um, um, and we're going to continue to play our part. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Stephen Price.
I appreciate it and hope to see you next time.